Hello? Hello, David. Hello, David, my friend. How are you doing? Okay, how are you? Doing well. Um, it's been a year, it's been a week, um, but it looks like there's some light at the end of the tunnel, so I am encouraged. Okay. Uh, what's what's encouraging you? Um, that uh, certainly with Stephen and Janet, I feel like I have begun the process of reconciliation. Uh, there are still things to be worked through, but at least we have engaged around the issues that are important to them. And I feel like I have a open door to pursue the conversations further, which was not uh, always the case. And so I am encouraged by that. You think you have an open door with Janet? Yes. She actually called me up this morning and... Uh, we have scheduled a time to talk further, and so I am feeling uh, positive about that. Okay. Will that call be recorded? Uh, that is my intent. It will certainly be, so I plan to record it, and I would hope she'd be open to publishing it. Okay. And you said last week she was not willing to talk with you? That is correct. I think she wanted to have a session uh, with the group where she shared her concerns in that format. Okay. How do you feel about that? Uh, about what? Um, about her preferring to share her concerns with the group than talk to you. Yeah, so it was, um, so I feel about it differently now than I did then. Um, and came up well, during the call is that, no, certainly it was, um, it was sad and confusing. Um, but, um, when she shared yesterday how, uh, like in, she didn't think that Jesus ever told us to confront people individually, you know, that like, oh, Okay, if that never occurred to her as a thing, then certainly I could see why it would never occur to her to do that. So, um, is, there's other questions, but at least it, it makes it more understandable. I can understand her mental frame of reference or how she made those decisions. Um, it may not be merely a matter of information, but it is certainly at least. Uh, you know, it, it is, and yeah, the other thing, of course, is that uh, based on various snippets here and there, uh, I knew that there was something that had happened in my call with Bill that had disturbed her, but I, I didn't have a clear picture of what. And I have a much clearer picture now. I don't know if it's the whole picture, but uh, no, I think I. What do you think it is that disturbed her? Oh, like she said, I think that. Um, well, what she said yesterday is that the way that I talked with Bill made it sound like I was being dismissive of scripture and something that generated a wide range of emotions on her part that made her feel very uncomfortable being part of the group. 
and I suspect made it uncomfortable for her to talk with me, which uh, probably was also why she chose the format that she did. Did that answer so, your question? Yes. Um, I think initially you expressed hurt over her making, I guess, criticisms towards the entire group. And oh, okay. So, the, so sorry. The, the the thing that uh, so there's my general sense of being hurt, right? Which was a slightly different matter than the question I was answering for you. I apologize for what you. I, I may have interpreted your question too narrowly. No, no, I'm actually asking a different question, but please tell me about it. Okay. Okay, so either way, so the question of why I felt so hurt, I think there was many things going on with uh, my feeling hurt by Janet, and uh, part of it was um, other issues going on in my life, uh, other issues going on in the group, uh, and other areas of woundedness in my own psyche. So what she actually did was relatively a small part of the pain I was feeling. And so uh, uh, realistically, I think at most 10 or 20% of the pain I was feeling was actually directly attributable to Janet's actions. So that's kind of what I was feeling. I'm not, I I don't really want you to go into the why unless you want to, but I want to know what exactly hurt you. Ah. So I think what I share as a group is that 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 sense of uh that Janet started with I am leaving um and a very uh subtle implication something that happened in the group. Well, and I'm talking about initially. Guess, sorry, initially, initially, which initial? Well, which I, initial? Yeah, I assume that you were first heard by the email, and that was before she announced she was leaving the group. No, 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 no. Sorry, let me clarify the sequence of events. Uh, on a week ago, Tuesday, before, and you may not have been paying attention because you had your own uh, before we rolled, before we went live on YouTube, Janet announced that she was leaving the group, and would be, but it would take you know three sessions before she finally left. She pre-announced that she was leaving the group, and so that was um, confusing. Um, and then, um, so on the timeline. So I was talking to so we kind of said we were going to talk about it the following week, and then I exchanged, and that was when I said, you know, we, I'd like to talk about it. And she said no, and I said okay. Um, I was wondering if we did. I had this alternate proposal for something we could do on Tuesday. I wonder if that would help her have her conversation, and she said no. That would be the worst possible thing you could do, and then she shared her own. Uh, he, she shared bits and pieces of her concerns, and that was what was. Uh, so at that point, she said that some, something along the lines of, and I never actually fully read the email. I think I reacted to it fairly early in the parsing of it. Something on the lines of, um, I read it as saying, 
I've already shown you how to relate properly and you need to show me that you can do that before I'm going to consider uh, returning to the group. Which again, may not all be what she said, may not be what she meant, but just that tone that I inferred from her email uh, caused me uh, distress. That hurt you, huh? Okay. Yeah, that hurt. Hello? Oh, still there? Yes. Yeah, I dropped my AirPod and it apparently hung me up. Sorry about that. Oh, that's fine. I was like, man, it, re- it must have really hurt. <laughs> I'm gonna slam the phone down. Wait, I can't do that. I'm I mean, can. Side, of, side of the head. You cannot like literally hang up a phone, like slam a receiver down in the cradle the way we could in the old days. Closest I could do is whack myself on the side of the head and make the AirPod come up, which would be dramatic but somewhat uh, self-defeating. Uh, where were we? Oh, yeah. So I think the thing that for me was, I think, you know, apart from all the psychological baggage I carry around in my head and my general emotional state, was this sense of um, you are wrong and I know what the truth is. It's up to you to figure it out and do the right thing. And what's painful for me about that is that is my experience with religion and it is the opposite of my experience with Jesus. And so um, um, okay. So that was painful, and then the psychological issues made it sort of uh, not easily processed. So there were a lot of parts to that, and uh, the thing that I'm I, I'm sort of trying to that I can at least can resonate with hurting is the the sort of dis- dismissive attitude of you're doing something wrong, figure it out on your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the entirety of what hurt you, or is there something else that I'm missing? In terms of what she did, or what I inferred her doing? Yes. I think that's... Um, um, yeah, and I think probably the framing of it was that she said first, I am leaving in three days. Um, you know, uh, and uh, while there was an implication that she could be talked about, there was no explicit as opposed to saying, I have some real concerns about the group, and I really would like to talk about that. And, you know, I honestly don't know if I can stay in the group, given some of the things I've seen and heard. And, you know, if it was, the fact that it was from outside rather than from inside, I think, was what made it um, particularly painful. 
So, I mean, I can't say the entirety, but I think that was the bulk of it. Okay. Um, I, I wanted I want to move this conversation up um, to a meta analysis, if that's okay with you. Please. Okay. Um, right now, I'm trying to sort of bisect and trisect everything, trying to figure out what exactly it was that hurt you. Because, like, I'm hearing things in there that are like, well, some of this stuff just seems superfluous, absolutely irrelevant. And some of it feels like, okay, this is what I think it is, but like, maybe there's something else. And the thing mm-hmm. is, they aren't quite adding up to me. And okay, and in my in my mind, it should be clear to you that you're not really sort of naming what bothered you. That you're actually you're naming a bunch of stuff. You're sort of describing the events and say, well, this set all of this together bothered me. But I'm like, yeah, but what was it in there that bothered you? And, okay, and so I'm not I, really I, getting that answer. Do you do you see what I'm seeing? I, I can see how it, I can see how it doesn't make sense to you, and I, you know, pain is not something that is easily digitizable, so it is not always clear what the correlations are. The other factor is, of course, the, um, I mean, you know, there the, there there are other aspects which I consider peripheral, which you may or may not consider uh, sufficient to justify the reaction. Right? There is the fact that um, I you know, spent many hours talking to Janet, helping her talk through her issues. Uh, there's the fact that, um, you know, she was saying, well, the group, is, she framed it as the group rather than, you know, something that happened on a side call with Bill, which it turned out to be the primary thing that bothered her. Uh, the fact that, you know, she had, um, from my perspective, the group had been very generous in allowing her to air her issues with Bill and Emiliana and, um, you know, to let her sort of perform her uh, issues with Emiliana in real time with her and work through those. And so the fact that she had taken this, which in some ways I'm actually very grateful for, uh, to then say, well, the group is not meeting my needs in this area or is not handling these areas well. Um, so all those things were factors and, you know, okay. listen to some point. I'm not saying like I am upset at her about these things, but it made it feel like, you know, hey, we have really got out of our way to really invest in you. And it's just very sad that one thing happens and you seem ready to throw it out, out the window. Okay. I you you did not help this. You didn't. I don't think you understood what I was saying. Okay. There. Okay. I have, okay. All right. I apologize. You want to try again, or do you want to move on? Oh no, I, I definitely. I'm, I, I'm asking this because I want us to be able to understand each other more than I want to dig at the issue with Jan. Okay. So what what do you not understand? Uh, I'm trying to understand what um what are the ingredients, all of the ingredients, the individual units of things that caused you pain, or or hurt you. Um, right. Because like, like, yeah, that's okay, and, so and I feel like you, you did agree. So let me, let me make sure I'm hearing what you're confused by. You're saying you could see how some of those things could have been somewhat painful. You concede that point? Uh, no, no, you're not getting me. Okay. Um, okay. Let me give. Let me try an analogy. Maybe this will help. Okay. All right. If I if I say to you, Ernie, um, you know, for the entire time of part of the Great Reset, we, we talk on Tuesday, and then we have these one-on-one calls, and we have these text messages, and uh, 
negative things were said, and I'm hurt. Your, uh-huh. your first your response would be, well, you just described a lot of things. What about you would say, well, like what in there happened that hurt you? And I said the negative stuff. I'm like, okay, well, I'm sure there were some things that I think are negative, but I don't know what mm-hmm. things are negative to you. Right? It would be like, well, let's let's dig into it and let's well, find negative? the individual uses. Okay, so it's a vague term. The point okay. the point is I'm giving I'm giving you a vague term that can be interpreted all sorts of ways, right? And so uh you would then ask me, Okay, well let's dig into like what specific thing bothered you and like how did that like what was it about it that bothered you? And then I would then I could say, Oh uh let me see, Robbie insulted me. There we go. Then we then we had something. I was like, that's a concrete thing. Right. He said, you know, David, David, you are you are short, you're not six foot three, and that hurt my feelings. And then we could say something like that, right? Okay. Um, and I'm trying I'm trying to figure out what those elements are. And and my right. and the meta analysis I said was like basically I, I hear you describing all of the events that have happened. And I can see how you can be hurt with those, absolutely. But I'm not sure what part of them was the thing that hurt you. And I'm asking you to sort of oh. dissect it down. I will try. Okay. I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not done. Okay, so part of the part of the problem I have here is that when I asked you to do that, instead of like splitting them up, what you did was actually name more things. Ah, and so you, you brought and so like I don't think you understood what I was saying. Yes, I do not understand. Let me let me rephrase the my question. Why okay. do you want to know? I want to understand you. I'm trying to build okay. that common ground. Okay. So, all right. Okay. Thank you. So let me, so there's two pieces going on here, I think. One is that there are things that I value and things that I expect, uh, uh-huh. consciously or unconsciously. And when uh, something that I uh, expect to be able to count on about something I value is taken away that is painful that's one half the other half of it of course is the the magnitude of pain depends on other psychological factors and fragility and so forth so you know Uh i feel like that i had invested in janet right and you know really trying to listen to her and honor her and i felt like the group had really invested in janet uh-huh. And that, and so when Janet said, "This horrible thing happened, I'm out of here," uh, even if she did it in a really gracious and deliberate manner that allowed us to work through it, my immediate reaction was uh, to feel like that thing, that that the thing that I had, I placed a lot of value on, the investment in Janet, she was not valuing, and that my expectation that. She would, you know, continue walking this journey with us and helping us figure this along the way was shattered. And so those two okay. things together made it painful. Okay. So let me let me just state that back to make sure that I'm hearing you clearly. Sure. Um uh you felt like you individually and us as a group have invested quite a bit in Janet and with the way that she just sort of abruptly walked away, it felt like she wasn't reciprocating. And that hurt. Yeah. That's a fair statement. Okay. Okay. That that makes perfect sense to me. We're on the same page. Um, were there okay. other things that hurt? I mean, uh, just to be in sort of full disclosure, she made some comments about the group not being there, so the group not doing that. And rightly or wrongly, I identify with the group, and so I probably took those personally. 
Okay. So let me repeat that back. Uh, she insulted the group which you identify with, which means she insulted you. I won't say insulted, but criticized. It's an important distinction. Okay, fine. She criticized the group, which is an extension of yourself, and therefore she criticized you. Right, which may not be healthy on my part, but I'm just trying to be honest. No, I can, I completely understand. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, right. Anything else? I think that covers it. Um, on, on Monday, you talked about how she, uh, how you were a little unhappy how she came in with this attitude of, of walking away because of you not understanding something or not, you know, not understanding something or not believing in the Bible instead of having an attitude of helping you out. And helping you. On Tuesday, you mean? On Tuesday, yes. I'm sorry. Okay. Um. Uh, is that correct? Um, roughly. Okay. Um, I wouldn't um, precisely those words, but it's there is something like well, that. Please, yes. Can you please so use the, your words? The words I remember is that I was hurt because the way she described it, she saw me doing something that was uh, against scripture. Okay. And uh, she, her response was, uh, there's this word I've been thinking a lot about, it's, uh, abjection, which is uh, like when you vomit something out or, you know, the horror we feel towards waste products of various kinds, kind of related to disgust, but it's disgusting and therefore shoving, saying, this is no longer, this is not part of me, I must get rid of it. And the the thing that grieved me I wouldn't say I was unhappy with her. Uh, I just saying I, I felt hurt. Um, and like I said, I wasn't even trying to say that she had done something wrong. I was just trying to describe what I was feeling. I didn't want to put any moral value judgments on there uh, because there could be good reasons and necessary reasons for her doing what she did. Um, so I don't want to judge her action. I just want to describe the fact that I felt hurt by that. Was that, and this is something that hurts me uh, about the body of Christ in general, is that when we see something wrong, there appears to be this uh, uh, reflex action towards abjection to say that is disgusting, that is wrong, I must dissociate myself from it. Okay. And um, that is hurtful, um, both personally and spiritually, if you will, or philosophically. All right, so it sounds like there's there's a third thing here there, uh -huh. um, of, of of her, which is the, the sort of, um, you call it an abjection, being sort of, feeling like you've been cast off, um, sort of thrown, thrown, rejected and thrown away um, in order to, for her to sort of maintain her, herself or her own purity. Something like that, yeah. Okay. Uh, again, I wouldn't necessarily use the word purity, but the that the um, yeah. Okay. Um.
Okay. Uh, is there anything else you could think of that um, that hurt you, or are these three things basically it? I think that's a reasonable standing set. Okay. Um, well, all right. Um, it's so this is. Let me explain to you why this is super valuable to me. Okay. Um, because it helps me understand the the framework with which you view things. Because these things are things that are important to you, and they are things that I could accidentally do to you. Um, mm. Or I could also intentionally do them to you. And um, <laughs> which is why this was a valuable uh, conversation. Um, I, and you know, I want to be sensitive to the fact that I can, I can, um, do this. So like now, now, like now I'm aware, like, Ooh, Ernie's invested some time and energy into me. And, um, I, if I were to just sort of walk away, he would recognize that, well, wait, there should be some reciprocation here. You know, the group has spent some time with me and he has as well. And that's a little unfair. And and I agree, it is, and it makes perfect sense, and I wouldn't want to do that to you. And I can imagine others who are just like, no, good riddance, or, you know, if you don't want to be here, don't be here, right? You can have that attitude. Knowing that this is sort of your your view is something that I, allows me to understand how you would respond. And I can mm-hmm. think of future situations in which I can then uh, accommodate for. You know, because my, my goal is I don't want to hurt you, and I especially don't want to hurt you on accident. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> you must try to hurt me on purpose. <laughs> well, if it's on purpose, then, then clearly it's my will to hurt you. I, I mean, okay. I'm a sinner. I'm not, I won't, I won't deny I'm a sinner. Um, so this is this is this is helping me see, help me understand how you see the world, and help me helping me understand how how best to, to understand you and interact with you and and what you're seeing and, and what people say and what I might not notice myself right away. It gives me, it, gives, it helps me build that, that mental picture, that framework. Well, I'm glad. So that's why, Thank you. So that I, that's why I think this is a very generous investment. Well, th- this is sort of what I committed to doing last week. Um, well, all right. I, I fair enough. I want, I want to continue with this. So, um, all right. Let me let me give you a. a oh, I have, I have one question for you, of course. Whenever we get around to it, just to. Sure. Um, I have a a preposition for you, and I want to know what you think of it. Um, mm-hmm. it felt like you were trying to. I think. Well, there's a number of things, but I think you were trying to just to explain your feelings to Janet and how you you didn't appreciate her method of uh, leaving the group as a way of sort of addressing these issues. And um, yeah, I feel like you tried to communicate that to her, and and I don't think Janet received it. So I think you are reading in more than I intended. Okay. Well, I let me say maybe, 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 maybe. I don't, I don't really care about that. I want to know whether or not you think Janet received the idea that uh, the way in which she was, she was approaching this, especially the sort of announcing that she's going to leave, was, was somewhat harmful. Did she receive that in your mind? Um, I don't know. I wasn't really worried about that question. Really? Okay. Yeah, really. 
Uh, what were you worried about, uh, Janet, receiving? I wanted to connect with her on an emotional level rather than get bogged down in questions of intellect and morality. Okay. Did you think that happened? Yes. Okay. Now I understand. I understand why you feel better about everything. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, can you, I don't know, can you give me sort of any insight on how you connected with her? She, uh, two things, I think. One is that she uh, created a context and a framework, which I thought was very helpful of speaking and validating emotions. And then I think that I was able to work within that framework to, like, let her know that I was not hurt by the fact that she thought I was wrong. I was not um, concerned about um, whether she was being biblical or all these other things. I was able to say, you know, hey, uh, I want to be vulnerable and let you know I want you to hurt me because I really value the relationship. And uh, that was the most important thing to me. And I was able to articulate that. I think she responded very generously by letting me know that, you know, she was very sad that she had hurt me. And as with my conversation with Steve, once we were able to uh, acknowledge the reality of the feelings and say, yeah, uh, I don't want to hurt you, to your initial point before, then that is a very different conversation than, well, you deserve to be hurt. Um, that was, that was, I was, I was surprised to hear that. Um, a framework of you deserve to be hurt. You've never encountered that? Um, not in Christian circles, no. Oh, wow. Um, I've, I've encountered, uh, you have made your, and a framework of you made your decisions and you deserve the consequences. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the hope that you would learn your lesson and not repeat the mistake. I've, I've encountered that framework plenty. And I would say I saw, in fact, I would say I've seen a lot of that um, with, with Janet. Um, but you deserve to be hurt. Right. I, I, uh. To be fair, I don't know if anyone's ever verbalized that explicitly or if I have. But I felt that way, certainly, where like, well, I'm in a great deal of pain. So the fact that you feel a little bit of hurt, uh, you know, you know, is, you know, the least uh, that I would expect. And so and I have felt that, uh, you know, uh, you don't have children, but, you know, it is easy to feel that way to your kids when you feel like they've done something stupid and foolish. And they're hurt, and you know I am still maturing in my ability to respond gracefully rather than with the law. 
between, let me ask you the question. Uh, and I don't know if you're just being joking, but you kind of said that you would intentionally hurt me. You would rather intentionally hurt me than do it by accident. What did you mean by that? Well, uh, no, I was just being careful with my words. I wanted, to, I wanted to speak precisely. Okay. So what were you trying to precisely say then? Well, I, I can't say that I would never want to hurt you. Uh, um, in all, uh, let's see. Like I can't say to you that uh, that uh, accident. I would never want to hurt you accidentally, but also not intentionally. Like because if I if I intentionally want to hurt you, then then obviously then it's my will that I would hurt you. So I can't say why well, I don't want that to happen. It would be my will that it happens. And so it would be a contradiction for me to say that. Okay. I think I see what you're so the, the hair you're so, trying to split. So I was just sort of, I didn't want to, yeah, I didn't want to contradict myself. All right. Or say something nonsensical. That's all. No, there's, there's I mean, a sensible way to say that, but I, I appreciate you're not wanting to go there. I mean, the sensible way to say that is, in my spirit, I never want to hurt you. But in my flesh, I may sometimes choose to and desire to, but I want you to know that's not really me. Um, it depends on the message that I'm trying to get across. And the only message I really wanted to get across is accidentally hurting you is, is something high on my list of, of things to prevent. Okay. But I no, – and the problem was I fumbled the words and I needed to, and I said, I, I was going to say something sort of nonsensical and I clumsily corrected it and avoid the nonsensical bit. Which I understand. Um, I like to see how that happens, yes. Um, in, in my mind, like, misunderstandings are sort of inevitable, even with, you know, very careful, well-intentioned speech. and and that we just we need grace and patience to deal with it no matter what but at the sure. very least i should try to speak in such a way that like i can say well logically what i'm saying makes sense um even if it is even if there are misunderstandings that result from it i i want to make an effort that everything i'm saying is sort of consistent and logical um i i should try to meet that minimum bar and right. so and i, I think, do try know, to it, it, and in the interest of being more precise, I realize I should probably clarify what I said because I think I spoke overly. Statement uh, uh, is that you're right. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that I'm glad you are hurting, but I have often heard people say, at least implicitly, I don't care that you are hurting. Ooh, yes, definitely heard that one. Yeah. And when that is coupled with actions that aggravate the situation, it is hard to not interpret that as um, and it's a good thing that you're hurting. I see. You, you do accept that that might just be perception on your part and not Absolutely. reality. 
given that I've, I've been on the other side of it and I know that I've had those thoughts and feelings towards others, that seems a very plausible inference. Ooh, really? Okay, this is this is the part yeah. that's interesting. What exactly? Because I'm thinking, I'm I'm thinking right now. There's a high degree of, of probability that I am misunderstanding what you mean. So if you could tell me, like, what exact thoughts and feelings you're referring to that you have had in the past, I think this might clarify something on my mind. Maybe. So I'm trying to think one that's that's suitably um, not telling tales. Like, well, I, I don't need um, I don't need an example. I just want the sort of like the framework. Yeah, I, like, I, I wish that... like I tell somebody to do well, you know, let me let me let me give you one in our context here. Um, um the story with Steve is that you know I had tried multiple times to get Steve to talk to me one on one. And and we had this blowout. And Steve was understandably um, embarrassed about his outburst and the fact that that could have been taken out of context and used to wound him. And he requested that we take that video down. And there was a part of me, you know, not a very generous Christian part of me that said, well, damn it, he, you know, despite my best efforts to take this off the record, he chose to blow up on me in public in front of God and everybody. And if I have to endure it, he should too. And, you know, I don't care if he found it embarrassing or dangerous. He made his bed now lie in it. It's only fair that he should have to suffer that. And um, so, I'm not proud of that part of myself, but it is a part of myself. And I was glad that I was able to recuse myself from the decision and let Ted work it out. Okay. So uh, I'm hearing sort of two two sort of attitudes there. One of them is, um, you know, these were your actions and these are the consequences. You live with that. And then also uh, a tit for tat. He did this to you and, and then him having to say the same way is sort of that's fair. Yeah. And so it's sort of like both of those happening at once here. Yeah, and, and you know, it's surprisingly difficult to distinguish between the two. At least for me. Right. And I, I would probably just generally characterize it as and the way you, you sort of did earlier was like I'm hurting and therefore I want you to be hurting too. Yeah. Okay. All right. I understand. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, all right. Is it so, time for my question? Uh, uh, let me get in, I guess, one more about Janice sure. to make sure I'm getting everything. All right. So in, in your interaction with Janet, uh, you place do you place this is the question do you place your emotional sort of connection with her as like the most important thing that happened um and that that was sort of your goal and then yeah that was that was the highest priority to you on tuesday yes from tuesday yeah well so, well, so, so, so the 
Or might there be another Sorry? higher priority that you, or is there some other priority that would be more important to you? Well, I think I would say that relational connection is a very high priority. And so, well, that's slightly different, isn't it? It's slightly different. Uh, from my perspective, relational incorporates a great number of things. Uh, but I felt like the emotional connection was the one under greatest stress or the most fragile. Okay. Let me, let me, let me try using some of your own words about this. Cause when you talk relationally, you're talking about sort of shared trust with the other person. Do you think that you have recovered trust with Janet? Um, there's different levels of trust. Okay. Trusting that the other well, yeah. person. Okay, like I said, we, I think we have the, we've, we've recovered the trust that uh, that we both want. Uh, well, I think there are several levels of trust that were restored, and several levels of trust that still need to be worked through. Is what I would say. Can you tell me about the, the trust that was restored? And, the most important and, and, thing is he said that it, the most important point I think we established is that, yes, we both value the relationship. That, you know, a, a key part of a relationship is that uh, the other person's feelings matter. And if you feel like your feelings don't matter to that person, then uh, there's a lot of it's a uh, not an easy relationship. Okay, so so it's recovered in the sense that you 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 now believe that she cares about your feelings. Um, mm-hmm. What about do you think she she believed you didn't care about her feelings? I mean, I won't think she consciously felt that, but I certainly think that part of her felt uh, betrayed by what uh, I said to Bill. I mean, that is just my inference. But I think that was the case. And Really? Can you tell yeah, me why you think that? Because um, I cannot, just because I cannot come up with any other plausible explanation for why she would have reacted so violently and unilaterally. Okay. And so you think there was a little bit of recovery of trust there? I think so. I think the fact that I was willing to be vulnerable and mentor her process um, made her feel, I think, you know, the, I mean, this is just speculating and I don't really like to do it, but I feel like I owe it to you and we're erring on the side of disclosure is that I think the reason she didn't come to me, which is an understandable one, is that she didn't feel uh, that um, she, because this was such a core issue, like our faith in scripture and things like that, that if we really disagreed about that, that she doesn't feel safe one-on-one talking to me about it. Because she didn't know what context, you know, again, I'm not sure either of us would have verbalized it like at the time, but that she didn't have a safe enough context 
to deal with such a sensitive issue. Okay. Uh, was there any other recovery of trust? Oh, I think there were several things that went on. One is that I think I really felt like her agreeing to this process made me feel like that she, uh, in her heart, she was thinking, I want to stay, um, but I'm afraid I'll have to leave, even if that wasn't what her word said. Uh, so she, she said that in words, I think, multiple times, both this this weekend, last week. It's entirely possible. And I may have been in shock and processing through my own emotional filter where I did not hear her say that. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, I'm asking about recovery of trust, where trust was was increased uh, or you know regained. Uh, do you have any right, other? So there's examples? a trust that that we that, that we are in this context. Uh, I think that uh, I think there was some level of understanding that um, this isn't um, that we are not necessarily far apart in understanding of scripture and psychology. To just use two very crude buckets, um, and there is a, I think, increased trust that the group um, is, for all its flaws, a useful context for helping us process these things. Do not, in small parts, to your efforts, so. Thank you for that. Okay. I mean, I, I hear you describing uh, positive things. I'm asking for where trust was increased or trust was regained. Right. I mean, I feel like we trust. We, we, we're increasing our trust in the group, increasing in our trust in our ability to communicate each other, increasing trust in our ability for the other person to hear us, increased tr mm -hmm. confidence in the other person's commitment to the process. They all of those things have increased. On Tuesday, you saw all of those things increase. Okay, I understand. Thank you. Between me and Janet, at least, yes. Okay. All right. Uh, thank you for your patience. Uh, that helps me understand quite a bit. Great. Okay, my turn. Yes, please. So good. So I'm actually really glad that, and grateful that you spent all this time talking about my emotions because I wanted to talk about yours. Is at the end you okay. mentioned that uh, that as my emotional temperature was going down, yours actually increased. And I would like yeah. to understand why. Um, I saw Janet being evasive and not directly addressing any of the things that you were saying. Huh. And and that really, really disturbed me. Hmm. Okay. I can see how you would have seen that, and I can see why that would disturb you. That makes sense. Um, I would still, I guess, help for me to understand what do you fear? Um, so when you say disturbed, 
um, that implies you're anticipating, you feel like it increases the risks of an unpleasant outcome. Is that an accurate inference, or do you mean something different? Um. Maybe there's a bit of that. What I would say is um, I didn't see an increase in understanding. Oh, ah, okay. I, would, I, saw, yeah. I saw a bad process. And so it's not... Interesting. And what my, if I were to say I was afraid of something in the future, I would say I would be afraid that this bad process continues. Okay. And so if I, what I infer from that is you place a high value on understanding. Um, I place a high value on, on things being functional and, and, when, and that dysfunction gets corrected. Okay. And I guess so you know, I would say like the, the I guess the biggest concern I have is regardless of what happens now um with this this sort of process like uh, the way I see it uh there's no reason why this wouldn't happen again in the future. Ah. Interesting. Okay. Um so Because you see uh, mutual understanding as a good, uh, so let me try and make sure I'm hearing you. I guess I should repeat back what you're saying since you're doing a good job of active listening. So what I'm hearing you say is that uh, whether or not the things that Jen and I perceived as positive took place, you did not see any real progress in terms of increased understanding. That was one point. Secondly, that this is due, uh, this is a sign or proof of a faulty process. And third, if we persist in that faulty process, we will end up with recurring problems. Um, not, 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 I guess the, the, the inference is not quite there. I would say, yeah, I would say there was a, another thing that I saw. Basically, what I would say is like, look, I I think you pointed. I agreed with your opinion that this this sort of um, just saying I'm going to quit the group because they saw something wrong, and and um, and that was the way in which that Janet tried to would would even bring up the topic is is I would say that that's dysfunctional, and I don't see that stopping and and i I would like to see that stop because I don't think that it is it is good um, ah okay, interesting um this question of abandonment that you and I discussed I think was on the chat thread. 
rather than uh, a last phone call. Yeah, I guess yeah, I guess the way I would put it here is like maybe the better way to put this is I have a serious problem with how Janet did not really confront you and Bill about the problems that she had. And okay, I so felt, so let me turn that around then. Have you uh-huh. talked to Janet about this? Yes, yes, I did. Okay. Ah, uh, in fact, I. Consensus. Oh, it's it's tough. It's it's tough because what I would say is like uh, the first time I, I I sort of confronted her about this, it was actually about Emiliana, and she actually received that I thought really well, and then confronted Emiliana, and I was like, whoa, wow, this is wonderful. Uh, I was like, I felt like she she heard what I was saying, and she acted on it. Um, mm-hmm. then. Then I brought it up with what happened with you and, and Bill, and she seemed less receptive this time, and I, I think didn't act on it. And then, like when I tried to bring it up a third time, she, I think she, she just flat out denied me and wouldn't speak to me about the issue. And yeah. So that, that's, that's right. part of the reasons why I'm disturbed about this is because it, it isn't just a matter of like her interaction with you and Bill and the group. It actually is about my interaction with her. Yeah. No. So I think that, you know, it's a little weird, but frankly, we're all a little weird, so I'm going to roll with it. Um, so, yeah, okay, I could see how that's very disturbing and very frustrating for you. And um, um, may I offer some suggestions? Uh, or at least my perspective. That's sure, perspective. I mean, like, that's probably fair. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, what I would say is I don't actually have that deep of a relationship with Janet outside of the group. You actually haven't seen too. Much. There isn't that much that you you've missed out on. So, uh, I don't have this big deep history with her. I mean, a little bit, what but I think that'll resolve. No, not In really. Contrast to a lot of, yeah. No, no. I mean, like really, like uh, a lot of my interactions with Janet actually started since the lockdown. Um, I mean, we knew mm. each other beforehand, but those were those were mostly superficial interactions that mm-hmm. that I I you know I think we could just ignore um, mm-hmm. unless there's something missing. So like uh, you've seen a, about as much of my my interaction with Janet as as there is to see. I mean, you're mm-hmm. missing there's some, you know you haven't seen my one on ones with her, but I mean there's only been a few, so you're not missing much. I think. Right, right. But yeah, I would I would welcome your input. Okay, so. I think that if, if I may beg your indulgence, mm-hmm. uh, I think that after Janet and I work through our issues, which hopefully we'll do in the next couple of days, I think she'll be in a much better place to hear your concerns. Um, and also, you know, I do think that even that's, if Janet probably true. did not take your advice as directly as she did with Emiliana, I felt like she did basically the same thing, that after you talked to her, she did confront me you know, during a group session. Um, and frankly, I think to do it through a much better structured and uh, well-publicized way than she did with Emiliana, which I think was actually much easier on everyone involved. Uh, so I feel like even if she didn't agree with you when you talked to her, 
I think she had a plausible plan for accomplishing what you intended. Um, and again, we can say it, she herself admitted that maybe her practice was less than perfect, but overall, I feel like she did heed your desire, uh, even if it was not uh, as efficient as it could be. Um, and so, um, but I, so I feel like, you know, once, just like Janet is willing to talk to me now that we've had our group convocation, I think after she and I work through some of the understanding issues, I think she will be much more open and, and a much better place to have the conversation with her that you wanted to have. Does that seem plausible to you? Uh, yeah. So uh, it feels like a luxury that I'm I'm not allowed to have. Sorry. It feels like a luxury that I'm not permitted. The luxury of what? Waiting. I can't wait. Ah. Yeah. This is one of these weird things that you and I probably place a very different interpretation on. Okay. Well, let me let me just so, give you a quick context. Okay. Just, just quick context. Uh, Janet and I have been going through the the apples and gold book together on a weekly basis, and mm. right now I. So that's what I mean. Like it's not something I can just wait on. Like I I feel like there's a communication issue here that needs to be addressed like in the next couple of days. Right. Well, I think I'm going to talk to her tomorrow. So um, I think she'll be in a better place. And I can relay, uh, you know, your concerns as part of it. But in terms of a, but I don't see how that means you can't wait. I mean, like I, I have to. I'm communicating with her. Right. And so I, I need to bring up the sort of contention between us. Because. When you, what do you mean? Like you have I mean, to bring up the tension between you? Well, I, I mean, like I have to talk to her. I, you have to talk to her. Uh, so I understand that you want to talk to her and it would be useful to talk to her, but I don't understand why you have to talk to her. Well, I mean, I guess I, could just I guess I could just cancel our, our, our weekly meeting. That, that is a solution. I don't think it's a good one, but I could do that. Right. Can you compartmentalize? Dissension? Why would I? Why would I compartmentalize? Um, was that a rhetorical question or a serious question? A serious one. Why would I ever do such a thing? In my experience, uh, like with a job, uh, that there are always trade-offs. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me. Let me. Let me. Let me. I agree. I agree there. I'm sorry. Let me. Let me be clear. Yeah. Um, when in a Christian community dealing with with relational things, why would I compartmentalize? Like I have obviously dealing with the world. I'm sorry. Okay, I, I, I'm sorry. The um, in my worldview, there is marginal differences between a Christian community and non-Christian communities over most things. 
So, um, I unless you have a stricter definition than I do. Well, I mean, like Paul talked about how you you treat them very differently, and so I I understand there should be dramatic differences. Okay. I completely agree with you that the body of Christ should function very differently than the systems of the world do. Um, But as a practical matter, um, there are a small number of areas where Christians are way ahead of the game. but those are usually not the most important ones in my experience. Ah, but ooh, I wonder if that's a worldview issue that uh, might be worth us exploring a little bit. Sure. Uh, So one thing that I have noticed in the standard evangelical worldview is that the sinners are outside the church and the saints are inside the church. Right, that's nonsense. So they're always, that's not right. So they're always, the, 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 the artifact of this worldview is that they are uh, confused when sinners do good things and offended when saints do bad things. Right. Nonsense. And so, yeah, okay. And so therefore, um, have, have you heard my, my have you heard me and Bill joke about train wreck church? I have not heard that one. So uh, we, we keep arguing whether or not it should be train wreck or shipwreck. Um, the, the joke is that uh-huh. I want to start a church, and I'm going to call it train wreck church, and the deal is no one's allowed to come in except those whose lives are a train wreck. Because I'm tired of dealing with Christians who pretend like they're perfect and saints, and, every, and everyone should be that way. It drives me insane. Ooh, 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 can I use that as a title of this episode? <laughs> well, what exactly? Train wreck church. Sure. Thank you. Go ahead. Achievement unlocked. So you like train wreck over shipwreck? Oh, tell me, give me the case for shipwreck. Uh, well, you can think of our lives as like, you know, uh, ships that are sinking because they, they wrecked, run ashore. You got that sort of analogy? I like the idea yeah. of just trains cra- crashing into each other head on and exploding. Yeah, um, I think it's more relational. Like... <laughs> um, but I, I feel like, you know, it's a little bit of all of the above. Yeah, I mean, it's you not know, bad, but yeah. Because, I, I, I don't know, when you talk about somebody who has, like, drinking or gambling problems or whatnot, that, that it sort of feels like that's a, a ship, shipwreck more than a train wreck. I don't know. It's an addiction, it, it, yeah. It's an ongoing debate. A, it's an ongoing debate. Um, but, but, I, I, but, but I think, yeah, I think the, the issue of relational dysfunction over personal addiction is reasonably captured by the train wreck versus shipwreck metaphor. And in my mind, I want both. So that's why yeah. it's sort of. Sure. Um, my experience, the church often has a fairly high amount of grace for shipwrecks, but a relatively low amount of grace for train wrecks. Oh. Um, in, ooh, that one's tough. That's tough. Because like like uh, at first I was like yeah yeah I could see that but then I'm like no 
The thing that they do with shipwrecks is they pretend like they don't exist. In a lot of ways, they treat them worse. Well, shipwrecks, at least they have a mechanism of these 12-step recovery groups. There's at least a sense in which, okay, this is an issue, but if you're willing to submit to this process, then, you know, you can get out of it. That's what I mean. Like, there is at least the sense that, I'm not saying it's, it's, it's cut and dried. But I'm saying, like, like, at least in some cases, I can say, yeah, this church actually has a process. People have this problem and participate in the community and do something that has a chance of helping them. Whereas train wrecks, um, there's much less of a um, process. Tolerance. For, I think there's less tolerance. tolerance. Yeah. yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Well, I'm not yeah, saying neither of these are strictly great, but I think but there's a there there's a meaningful distinction there. So, all right, train wrecks for the win, yay! Yeah, I, I also like trains more than than ships, so that's good. Reverting <laughs> <laughs> back to our three-year-old preferences. Those are the best. Oh, where was I going with this? Oh, yeah. So, so to answer your question, I can answer it for myself. You can make it for you. Is that like the situation with Steve, right? It was unresolved for an extremely long time. Um, and there was certainly some hurt there. Um, and, you know, Steve was up at the meeting. And, you know, various things happened, some of which you instigated, uh, some of which helped, some of which did not, from my perspective, in terms of my. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I appreciate both of them. Um, the and so I made a decision to say, okay, this is an important issue. Uh, it has to be dealt with. I am trusting God uh, for two things: one, that it will be resolved eventually in a way that will bring glory to Him, and two, that He will give me the grace. Uh, to manage my anxiety and pain until then. And that's what I would consider a healthy, and therefore, in the meantime, I will try to engage with Steve and the group uh, as fully as possible in good faith. And that's what I mean by compartmentalization. It's, it's a weird way of putting it. Um, Thank you. Um, because certainly there's also unhealthy compartmentalization, which I totally understand uh, okay. an aversion to. Can you, can you talk about unhealthy compartmentalization? How would you define that? Ooh, ooh, I would love to. So I don't know if you remember this guy, uh, Bill Nist, who was here from HeartSync. Uh, he did a couple of episodes. Okay, anyway. Um, but anyway, there's this, uh, there's various versions of this. Uh, but basic, it goes back to Dick Schwartz's internal family systems. Uh, if you've heard this terminology, so uh, be patient with me while I try and build it up. You've heard the phrase inner child? Yes, I've heard that one. 
Okay, yeah. So the, the basic idea is we sort of all have an inner child and an outer adult and an angry teenager in the middle. And the oh. idea is that part of the adulting process or maturing process is we all realize, we, most of us learn fairly quickly that we cannot have everything we want whenever we want. And that if we just do and say whatever we want, no one will play with us and we will get other forms of consequences. Uh, and that's in the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is we go through all sorts of trauma and abuse of various kinds. But the result of that is we develop this uh, outer adult, which in Hart uh, think they call the manager. Right? This is the person. This is the aspect of the personality that keeps the trains running on time. To your metaphor, uh, oh my God, understanding the social obligations upon us and make sure. Gran Turismo with a sound system loud enough to overwhelm my AirPods Pro. Okay. Um, sorry. <laughs> so the, the manager's job is to keep the trains running on time and provide a, a persona that the rest of the world will accept. And then the feelings that are – the problem is, is that you know, certain things we can handle just fine and function, but there are certain feelings which are too strong that if we acknowledge them would disrupt our uh, desired function or our desired appearance of external function. And those feelings get locked away in what they call an orphan. And in between is something called the guardian. And the guardian's job is sort of twofold. One is to protect the manager from being disrupted by the orphan's strong emotions. The other is to protect uh, the emotions from having to be experienced, which I guess more or less two sides of the same coin. And so in, in the idea of compartmentalization is that, in this case, that when we experience a pain that is too difficult for us to deal with, either because we were too young or too immature or just too severe, this, the psyche sort of fragments, and but that pain is still there, locked in this orphan, and then the guardian's job is to detect things that um, might trigger the release of the orphan and do other things to uh, prevent that from happening. So that's the model, you know, um, and the idea is that, you know, the, the people argue about this, but in some sense, this is sort of an inevitable part of, of growing up as a conscious being. And you see the same things in like elephants and uh, horses and uh, you know, other social animals uh, like dogs, where you have these, uh, I mean, PTSD is kind of a extreme form of this. And his research, uh, the father, uh, Andrew, um, I forget his last name, who pioneered this form of it, he did his work with dissociative patients where they literally had multiple personas and they're generally victims of ritual abuse. In extreme forms, and so he saw this uh, in pathological extremes there, but then discovered that it seems to be broadly applicable to humanity in general. And so, the there's a more spiritual aspect uh, to it that we can get to some other time. But that's the basic concept of we compartmentalize things, and in particular in this case, it is. Um, literally unconscious in the sense that those emotional experiences are walled off from the manager's conscious recall. 
And the only signs of it are when the Guardian uh, overreacts to things because it's not just the incoming phenomena, it is the, uh, the threat that, you know, memory works by um, uh, kind of similarity, right? As we see a pattern and we match on it, and if the relevant memories are locked away in the orphan, this is uh, somewhere between frustrating and threatening to the guardian. And so one of the things that I was going through, you know, in my processing about Janet was, okay, Janet did X, but I'm feeling kind of X cubed. What emotional pain am I uh, out of touch with that is disrupting me? And how do I work through that so that I can respond, uh, I guess, in a holistic, healthy way rather than either getting into the either fleeing or fighting. Sorry, that was a lot. You still there? Yeah, I'm still here. I well, I guess you're describing a, a framework for, for mental um, processes, which is interesting. It's one I'm not familiar with. Um, it reminds me of um, Carl Jung a lot. I, I am curious... Yeah. What your definition, though, of unhealthy compartmentalization is, though? Oh, okay, yeah. So in this context, it's, it's, so the, the idea is that unhealthy compartmentalization is precisely when these orphans are not consciously uh, connectable. Is when that the so I guess there's two well, there's two ways of thinking about it, but I think they're equivalent. One is that I have no idea about my orphan's pain. I just experience great distress when I'm in, in situations, when I experience stimuli that resemble that which caused the orphan to be cut off in the first place. And therefore I react with uh, excessively strong emotions. Um, and the second one, I guess, is where I, uh, where the guardian is so successful that I manipulate my external or internal circumstances so that I never am aware that I have emotions in this area, uh, even though they have a strong distortive effect on my behavior. Both of those are, health, are what I would consider unhealthy compartmentalization. Okay. Um, have you heard of the concept of bringing your whole self? I've heard many versions of that, mostly on corporate slogans. I've probably yeah. even used it that way a few times. Uh, what? How does that relate to healthy and unhealthy compartmentalization in your mind? Well, the 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 challenge is that I mean this will actually affects the discussion of authenticity. Uh, which I've, I, I like, I like the sentiment up to a point, right? And the, like many things, it's, it's good, except it doesn't deal with the hard cases, 
the sentiment as expressed doesn't really talk about the edge cases, which is where it gets painful and difficult. Like what if the way you express your whole self uh, makes me not want to express my whole self, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And, you know, and the other question of course is what is the self? <laughs> you know, is the self uh, an objective thing? Is it a constructed thing? Is it some mishmash? And so, um, so yeah, so I am conflicted about that phrase. I thought your question was, how do I feel about it? Okay. Or I think it is, uh, it is a um, not quite the right category uh, if you're asking what I think about it. Okay. Um. All right. Well, uh, testing one, two, three, testing one, two, three. I'm here. I can hear you. Give me a second. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, is this the framework that you use personally? The, um, the heart sink? Yeah. Uh, that is the the. I mean, I learned HeartSync about six months ago, so I've been using that as one of my regular practices as I've been processing things. Um, actually, probably less than six months ago because it was mid-pandemic. Um, so uh, I don't necessarily use it in its canonical form, uh, but I uh, have been trying to. It is certainly one of my go-to things when I realize I'm feeling strong emotion that I do not. Uh, so, for example, when I mentioned I was in a fair amount of pain uh, when Janet left, uh, and I was realizing, uh, as you pointed out, that I was probably reacting to things that weren't necessarily in the external environment, I said, ah, okay, this is a sign that I have uh, an emotional lens distorting my perceptions. And I want to work through that so that I can see more clearly and act more wisely and graciously. And um, oh, well, that's another um, signal for me is that when I'm focused on the law rather than grace, that's usually a sign that I uh, am experiencing a great amount of pain, uh, which is why I then don't have much compassion for the pain of others. So, um, so yeah, this is one of the practices I use. And for the record, I, I oddly enough, this, usually when I do it, it's usually fairly cathartic and redemptive. And this one, it kind of got stuck about halfway through, oddly enough. Um, the process involves encountering Jesus, actually. It's very similar to what Robbie led us through that time with Janet. Uh, they're in the same general family, although most of these practitioners don't do a good job of cross-pollinating. Um, but anyway, you know, I had a point kind of with Jesus, uh, which usually ends with a, a rechristening, getting uh, the guardian's role uh, in the psyche in a positive light, is not avoiding something, but trying to help 
create something. And I got through the recognition of the negative aspect, but not all the way through to uh, re-conceptualizing that or reintegrating that into the psyche. So there's some follow-up work I have to do. That may be more than you wanted to know, but I figured I should fill in the, whole, the gap. No, I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, okay. One last data point that I thought was kind of cool about this thing is that the fascinating thing for me is that it recasts discipleship as evangelism. In that uh, there was an old university book that was big several decades ago called My Heart Christ Home about how you want Christ to be Lord of every aspect of your life. And um, well, it got to be a bit of a cliche. I think they were onto something there, which is the idea that the reason we fail to love like Jesus is because there are areas where um, we are resistant to his spirit and frankly don't trust Jesus. Uh, and then the idea of figuring out how to introduce those parts of ourselves to Jesus and experience that grace, that forgiveness, him taking over our pain um, is a process very similar to that used in evangelism, um, but as something that is uh, an ongoing thing that we practice in order to be reconciled to ourselves. Certainly in my experience, the main reason I have trouble dealing with other people is when they trigger uh, an aspect of myself where I am not full of grace. So, all right, I will stop rambling. Thank you. Uh, not for the stomping, but for sharing. You're welcome. Oh, I have to say this too, by the way. I need to thank you for these AirPods Pro because I won an award uh, at our company uh, for the most steps walked. And a big chunk of that is all the steps I walked while going on these phone calls with you. I see. So you've you've oh. helped increase both my spiritual uh, and physical and, I guess, material well-being. That's uh, that's weird, isn't it? What's weird? That um, I've helped you in any way. Why is that weird? Uh, well, I don't know. Why do you think it's happened? So I'll go with the V word again. I feel like, well, I think you've been committed to the relationship and you have been uh, remarkably vulnerable in a number of ways. Why would that help you? So, hello, are you still there? Yeah, no, I, I can't think of a good way to put this into words, right? I guess it gets back to the, the T word that I tend to avoid, theology. Uh, but to me, this is Jesus on the cross. Um, 
it is his, uh, the sheer vulnerability of his humanity was the thing that allowed God to crush the works of Satan. And I can't say I understand it or can explain it. I can just say, I just sort of take it as a brute fact that that is the way things work. So anytime people are willing to walk in a uh, relationship with each other and be vulnerable and to have our sins come out and not run away, um, but you know, ultimately surrender them to Jesus, I think God's kingdom works, spreading and deepened. Huh. You know, that feels that feels incompatible with the idea of compartmentalization. Well, like I said, compartmentalization. Uh, yes. Well, th- this is the the. So, like I said, compartmentalization is not an absolute good. Okay. Uh, I think I. You know, the. Uh, but the life in this world. You know, while we're in these meat sacks is a bunch of trade-offs. And the very fact that compartmentalization is not good is why, is why when we choose voluntarily to endure the injustice of it, out of love for God and submission to his greater purposes, it is so powerful. Oh, I see. I see. I think that that might be a I think that might be where, where sort of our views of this are differing. Yeah, quite possibly. I think that we're actually that might actually be something very substantial there. So you know the uh I have a very I think biblical, but uh, un- unconventional view of suffering and persecution and injustice. Um, you know, I was I was thinking actually the the difference here. I like I, I agreed with everything you said. The only thing they got the thing that came across my mind is like compartmentalizing is something I think of things that people do to protect themselves as opposed to protecting others. Ah, yeah. You know, if you have a better word to use for that other thing, that would be great. Ah, yeah. Well, I don't. <laughs> uh, we should work on that, maybe. Um, right. So, so so, for the moment, let's just split it and call it healthy and unhealthy compartmentalization. Uh, you know, it, it's tough because, like, like, listening to you talk about it, it's hard to say like where the line is because um i can think i would i would say that like a lot of a lot of what we might you and i might say that the church does this thing where they sort of are rejecting these train wrecks and are actually just straight up ostracizing people and we might say well that's really bad but if I were to guess at their justification in their own head, it might be because they're like, well, there's certain things you shouldn't say or do, and uh, 
we are just compartmentalizing for the sake of protecting others or something like that. And and so there's a lot of nuance there about about what it is exactly that's being done and whether or not it is a good thing. Uh, sorry, yeah. So I think there's actually uh, a third category then, if you will. There is compartmentalizing. So I, I actually don't draw a sharp distinction between compartmentalizing for the sake of protecting ourselves versus compartmentalizing for protecting for the sake of others. Because, you know, a lot of our love for others, frankly, is just uh, protecting our emotional investment in them or not wanting to look bad in their eyes. So for the sake mm -hmm. of the other is uh, not to me a clear distinguishing feature of healthy versus unhealthy. I agree. Uh, my, my point was basically, I don't even know that we can separate these ideas out. Well, so the, 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 the idea I'm trying to get to, which again, I don't know what the word is, it is saying that um, um, the thing that I try to do is um, go to the orphan and say, yes, um, your needs, your desires, your fears, they are all perfectly legitimate. But will you trust me? Will you trust Jesus that if you lay these things on the altar before him and let him take care of them, that he will restore them to you better at the proper time? And I don't have a good word for that. I agree it's different, but um, maybe we'll leave it at that. My children are asking me to stop compartmentalizing my time away from them. Um, let me let me throw this idea at you. Um, okay. I I think sometimes the insecurity or the fear is that you're sensing that something is wrong. And sometimes the altar is just to speak it out loud to another person. Sure. I mean, that's the thing about bringing our fears to Jesus is that sometimes they disappear. Sometimes he comforts us and sometimes he calls us to face them head on. And so it is a tactic, not a strategy. Um, yeah, you know, the, um, and like I said, closing the loop on, I think like I'm planning to have my conversation with Janet early tomorrow morning. And I think that uh, she'll be in a much better place to talk to you whenever you meet with her. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I don't know. I mean, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, all right, let me be very clear. I don't want to censor you. I don't want to stop you from saying whatever it is you want to say. All right, so please take this as me just sort of expressing my feeling and not as me attempting to control your speech. Okay. Um, because I want you to be free. But I do feel uncomfortable with you expressing anything to Janet about what you think I I I feel or even what I said. Because I feel like you'll get it wrong. Okay. Uh, you, do you want me to um, publish this 
audio podcast before or after you talk to her? Oh, no, 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 no. So, uh, no I, I wanted to just express that feeling to you. No, okay. That's it. Okay. Like, like I, I, I very strongly do not want you to to change what you're going to say or do. Well, I mean, I mean, if you want to, I don't mind. Um, okay. This is not an attempt. Yeah, to, I don't want you to. Right. You're not giving me a well, but you're mentioning concern, or just a feeling. I mean, I, I mean, it's 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 a little bit of all of the above. You know, like maybe maybe the answer is I should just say, well, oh well, right? Um, I. I want to trust the Holy Spirit more than anything else. I just want you okay. to know how I feel. And how I feel is that okay. you and I have a hard time understanding each other. And I have this fear, because I, I think it's already happened, where mm-hmm. we'll, we'll misinterpret each other and we'll give other people the wrong impressions. And, and you know, that, that also feels like, to me, a bad reason to ever ever be silent on something. And, right. and so I, I, I just wanted you to know that's how I feel and this is what I think, but also at the same time, I think that you should be free to to say and do as you please. And I, I don't okay. want to, I don't you. want to restrain you so, in any way, shape, or form. So let, let me repeat back what I said, is that you, or how I, what I inferred from that, is that you feel some anxiety about the possibility that I might describe uh, your situation with respect to her in a way that is, a inaccurate and B complicates the process of reconciliation. Um, but you also have a desire to not uh, impose restrictions on what I want to speak. Yes. Okay. Um, and let me be. And I want to be very clear. Like, if if I thought it was only one of those two things, I wouldn't have a problem with it at all. It's the fact that I think it will be both that gives right. me concern. But yeah. But I also feel like you and I are getting to understand. I think you and I are getting to understand each other better, and so like my fear of that is also lessening. That's good, and you know, if I do say anything, I'm more like you know, um, I will just tell her that on our podcast, David mentioned that he was felt like he was not able to communicate well with you around these issues, and maybe this would be a chance for you to try again. And she can listen to the podcast if she wants more details. I'll tell you, like my 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 inclination towards Janet is, I'm just thinking, like maybe later today, I just sent her a message about things that I am bothered about specifically with her, and just see where that leads, and just trust her to respond however she's going to respond. Okay. Can I offer a suggestion? In these same yes, spirit. I have a concern. I, I do mean, not you... want to censor you or tell you to what to do or what not to do, but just share my anxiety, if you will. Yes. Well, you've uh, already suggested the idea of uh, compartmentalizing, which I'm sort of rejecting. Um, that's fine. No, I, so I'm not going to suggest that. Okay. Uh, necessarily. You may interpret as that as you will. That the way you frame that as that uh, things that are bothering you uh, it occurs to me that um, that could be read as Janet, you are bothering me, and that comes across as sort of what my therapist calls you words, where you're placing something on them, and that I guess 
you are going to talk to her, um, try to find uh, non-judgmental sort of eye language, like, you know, I'm feeling sad that, or I am concerned, or I would like to, kinds of things. That was my suggestion. That's all. Okay. Well, thank you for your input. All right. Well, I'm glad that you feel that we are understanding each other better. I really appreciate the time you took to try to understand my feelings and to share yours and to let me ramble on about some of my practices. It has been a year. It has been a year. <laughs> I love that. Our pastor was sharing that he was looking back in 2017. He was talking about how hard 2017 was and 2018 was worse. He said, you know, this year, I'm not going to complain <laughs> about this year. I'm going to rejoice and choose to be grateful for the good thing and uh, not um, despise what God has done. Uh, you know, what sucks is, you know, I, I sort of feel like we need to be grateful for the hard things, the bad stuff. Yeah. <sighs> That's what I struggle with. Mm. Because you have not seen the fruit that comes out the other side. I have seen the fruit that comes out the other side. It just doesn't make it any less painful. Mm. It doesn't make it less painful. What was, what was I, uh, I heard? I'm not saying the pain will become less. I'm saying the pain will become better. Um, what I've heard is like the idea is like it's it's not that you're going to be able to. Uh, it's not that you're going to reduce the pain or the the difficulty, but rather you're just going to know that it's worth it. Yeah, and that's that's great. meaning Victor Frankl, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the uh, the best, um, the most useful metaphor I found was when I was doing this Bible study in Revelation uh, with I think Robbie Butler actually was part of that one. Uh, it was a online, uh, it was actually Uber conference. We did calls at five o'clock during our evening commute, and we would uh, talk for a half hour. And this idea of our first love for Jesus of this idea of when you're in this blush of first love, you are so eager to pro to prove your love that if they have some great need that requires you to undergo painful sacrifice and suffering to fulfill, you are so excited because you get to show them how deep your love is. And Upon occasion, I have found that greatly comforting to think that I am doing something for my beloved um, that demonstrates how much he means to me. <laughs> Just, like my first thought is like, hold it, hold it. We're only friends here, man. Slow down, slow down. <laughs> you talking about you and Jesus or you and me? <laughs> me and Jesus. And that um, maybe uh, that would be a fascinating <laughs> conversation for some other time then. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
Yeah, that's yeah. probably not a bad question to end on. And maybe for next week is what kind of relationship do you have with Jesus and what kind of relationship do you want to have? That was something I've been wondering to ask for a while, but it's a good time to tee that up. But ask me? Yeah. And share my answers to that question, too. I think that would help us understand each other. Um, well, you, you endured my questions for this week, and um, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, I suggested that we try alternating. Sure, I thought so, I'd take uh, out that part here, but I guess we'll, yeah, but sure, I'll I'll happily take happily take next week. And at some point, we need to figure out what our topic is for Tuesday, but God will provide. Well, we'll for Tuesday, it's not just more Janet. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> we might find a lot. We might, uh, but. A lot could happen between now and then, so I'm not in any hurry. It'll be a whole I, new year. You know, I'm I'm in favor of relabeling train, uh, TGR, the chain wreck church. It just feels like that's what we're doing all the time. Um, it feels more accurate. Yeah, but... Who knows, we might get some trains back on the track. Then what would you do? I I think we're, we're, everyone's still going to be a train wreck. I think that's part of the process. It doesn't end. I was like asking, like, well, one of these days we're all going to stop being sinners. It's like, yeah, when Jesus returns. Well, no, no, I'm not saying all the trains are on the, on the track, but some of them, I, I never expected to get rid of problems. I, I hope to evolve to a better class of problems. So I'm not dealing with the same ones over and over again. I'm like, oh, okay, that. Yeah, at least I don't do that. Now I have this more subtle and more devious problem to deal with. At least I'm not dealing with the same one. <laughs> Train side swipes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's, 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 and, you know, and every practice is really good at help solving certain problems and then uh, hits the point of mission returns and we need new ones. But that's kind of the goal is to... I mean, there's so much I don't know just about how you experience Jesus, how Janet experiences Jesus, that like, wow, that might actually address some of these issues in my life that I am totally clueless about. And we build the trust enough that we actually are spending more time helping each other and less time unthinkingly bruising each other um, so that we can expand the circle of pain and train wrecks. You know, that's kind of the, that's kind of the goal. And I, I, am, I am hopeful that we can actually, and that I can actually grow to the point of spending, I think I have grown, spending less time fighting myself and more time working with myself so I have the energy to fight other people or at least encounter other people's brokenness in a gracious way. So I think there's not a solution, but it's progress. But we will see. Mm, I, I think it's train wrecks all the way down. <laughs> so, to me, at the very bottom is the cross. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, uh, good talking with you. All right. Good talking with you, David. Thank you so much.
Talk to yeah, you soon. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.